I would only consume kosher. Hello and welcome. Today we have a bit of a juicy topic. Halal v kosher. Who will win? You decide. One thing we can all agree on is that no animals were hurt in the making of this episode. Lol. So Niz, do you have any input on this matter? Yeah, I like halal food. No, I mean, do you know the history, the meaning of halal? Of course I do. Halal means permissible, but I don't want to go overboard as this episode will be covered by Sol. So I'll let him take the mic and lead on this. Thanks, boys. Niz is right. Halal literally means what is permissible in Arabic. Before we start talking about halal, I thought I'd cover kosher first before we dive into halal as Judaism did come to the world before Islam, so some might consider this to be the righteous path. Calm down, Saul. We have just started, and you're already starting to cause a stir. Yeah, we're trying to create peace in the Middle East, not start beef. Get it? Beef? Halal? Kosher? Ah, uh, forget it. Whatever. Let's just get this started. Quicker we do this, quicker we can go home. See you in a sec. Welcome back. Hope we haven't lost anyone in the transition. Lame. Whatever, bros. Before we get started, do any of you guys know what the word kosher means? Well, I know it's a cooking requirement for practicing Jews, just like halal is for practicing Muslims, kind of like a religious law. But I don't know what the word actually means. Do you know this? No, I don't know. But if I was to guess, then I would agree with you, Dims. Well, the word kosher is an English word which has derived from, I know I'm going to butcher this word, I think it's kasher. It means something that is pure, proper and is fit for consumption. The holy scripture of Judaism is the Torah. And in the Torah, it states that they can only eat animals on the land that chew the curd and have cloven hooves. By doing my research, I've come across some animals that are non-kosher, such as camel, Hare, Hyrax, and the pig. On the flip side, camels are halal for Muslims. The hare, Hyrax, and camel all chew their curd, but they do not have cloven hooves. Whilst the pig has cloven hooves, the pig does not chew the food. This is correct in my previous job, as I used to work with a fellow colleague who was from the Jewish belief, but not in the practicing terms. They had also confirmed that they do not eat animals, especially the pig, as that person also found it as a, a dirty animal to eat. Do you guys have any experience in the matter of this? For example, meeting a person from Judaism belief? If yes, what was the outcome? No, not really spoken to a Jewish person about what meat they're allowed to eat. Now, I can't say I've come across this, to be honest. Cool. Well, I'll carry on then. As for winged animals, mainly birds of prey such as eagles, hawks, buzzards and vulture, to name a few, are also not fit for consu consumptions. 
Oh, I've just realized another wing animal that is not fit to be eaten, and that is a bat. Corona. Chicken? Okay. <laughs> well, we'll carry on then. Yeah. Chicken, geese, quail, dove, and turkey all seems to be edible by the Torah. For sea creatures, this was interesting. Fish which have both fins and scales can be eaten. Shellfish clams, crabs, oysters and shrimps cannot be eaten. And to me, this seems very similar to the Hanafi halal school of thought. But sharks are halal. Would any of you guys want to try some shark biryani? Uh, do you know what? Fish is like marmite to me. There's some fish I love and some I can't stand. Makes me yak. But saying that, I think I'll be up for trying it at least. How about you, Niz? Yeah, definitely try it. You don't know until you try it, I guess. Now that we've covered most of the animal kingdom, <laughs> the next step is the dairy product. So for any animals that is kosher, the milk will have to be kosher too, such as the cow. But there is some discrepancy. If the animal is found to have any sort of illness after being slaughtered, then that milk might be non-kosher too. Did you know that human breast milk is sort of kosher too? What? But what if they were ill? I did not know that. Sounds iffy to me. Well, it should only be consumed for children under four, five if the child is ill, and it has to be consumed directly from the breast. But if the child is older than two, and they have stopped suckling the milk for more than three consecutive days, then that child has to stop consuming the milk from the breast. The last bit about the age is similar to the Islamic belief. If the age of the child is over two, they must stop. To my understanding, it's two and a half for girls and two years for boys. Obviously, the age is from the Islamic calendar and not the Gregorian calendar. The next topic is another substance from milk. Hope we don't hear another cheesy joke. No matter of fact, it is. We're going to talk about cheese now. Oh my God. Stop it now. We still have a lot to cover before we talk about kosher slaughtering. Right, back to the topic. Cheese is a complicated topic as cheese usually involves around rennet, an enzyme that splits milk into curd and whey. Most rennet comes from the stomach lining of animals and rennet is often made of recombinantly in microbes. I'm mostly talking about European cheese here. For that reason, it could be counted as non-kosher, only rennet made recombinantly or from the stomach of a kosher animal can the cheese be kosher. Mixing both dairy and meat is a big no-no too, so you can say goodbye to your favourite cheeseburger. As from my previous statement, it should be clear that meat and dairy must be stored separately, so you might encounter two different fridges and cupboards for meat and dairy. Did you guys know this and have you come across anyone that does this? They don't have to be Jewish, they can be a Muslim or not faith-practicing person. No, I don't. However, I know people who section them separately, but not in two separate fridges. Do you know anyone like that, Niz? Well, I've heard of something similar to separate fridges, but it was about washing the meat and stuff in two separate sinks. That is true too. Off topic, in my father's house, they have two refrigerators, one for cooked food like leftovers and the other food for fresh produce. On the next eggable, I mean edible food. I see what you did there. Well, it's eggs. Eggs from chicken, Cornish hens, ducks, geese and turkey are all kosher. If any blood is found in the egg, then it becomes non-kosher. Each egg needs to be checked for spots of blood 
If any is found, then the whole egg needs to be discarded, and the cup or glass it was placed in must be washed in cold water. Okay, we just usually scoop out the blood. Nah, I throw the whole thing away. Way too paranoid, lol. Speaking of throwaway, the next ingredient, if it can be called that, is gelatine. Gelatine mostly consists of non-kosher or and non-halal substance. The animal that is usually used here in the West tends to be the pig. It consists of skin and bone of the animal and is cheaper. Hence why it would be non-kosher and haram, which means forbidden. But we can get halal gelatine too, which consists of cow. You can also get vegetarian friendly gelatine too. Matter of fact, here are some Haribo sweet and marshmallows. Guys, this should feed your sweet tooth. Yeah, that's Thanks. Can't, can't say no to some freebies. Well, I'll carry on and you guys enjoy your treats. Some other food that could be non kosher are trifle and jelly. But for Muslims, you can get an halal option too. I've seen the kosher logo on cereals and bread like Kellogg's and Kingsmill. Have you guys come across kosher gelatine, such as trifle or jelly or anything sweet? No, I haven't. But thanks, all. These sweets are great and very nice of you to share. Now, what's wrong with you? How come you're not your miserable self? Did you win the lottery or something? Lol. Well, if that's the case, this will be my last time I'll treat you guys. Oh, he's back. But the sweets taste nice. They're not too bad, but I've never come across kosher or halal sweets before today. On to the next topic, the main meat of the bone. And that is about slaughtering the animal and how it's done in a kosher manner. So guys, do you know how it's done? I'm taking a guess here. But I think there's a high chance it's similar to Muslims. No, actually, I don't. So this should be interesting. Take it away, Sal. As per the information from Wikipedia, that all meat must come from animals that have been slaughtered according to Jewish law. These strict guidelines require the animal be killed by a single cut across the throat to a precise depth, severing both carotidis arteries, both jugular veins, both vagus nerves, the trachea and the esophagus no higher than the epilogitis, and no lower than where cilia begins inside the trachea, causing the animal to bleed to death. I know it sounds quite gruesome, but it's the best method, and also very similar compared to the way Muslims slaughter their animals. On another note, it is also forbidden for some Jewish sects to consume certain parts of the carcass, including the sciatic nerve and particular fats. So guys, how many steps are needed to slaughter for the meat to be kosher? Well, my guess would be two or three i'd say one step just cut the throat well as per the gov website regarding kosher and halal it's just two and they are first of all to be a jew and have a license to perform shashita from the rabbinical commission of for the licensing of show che tim yes i was right i said two or three i think i should get some more sweets dream on back to talking about kosher but good there also has to come some bad. Mary Tempon Grandin, who is an American scientist and an animal behaviorist, stated that no matter how well the slaughter is done for kosher compared to stunning the animal, it's not instantaneous. She stated it ranges from 15 to 90 seconds, depending the measurement type in the kosher slaughterhouse. Your thoughts on this matter, please. It's a difficult one. Each side claims their way is the most humane. Each group has strong faith in what they believe. 
I'm on the fence with this one, as I don't know the science behind how you can measure the pain and stress experienced by an animal during sacrifice. Dims, what do you think? Yeah, I think that will always be an issue with some animal rights activists, as some people believe animals are not for consumption. So it will always be considered as cold-blooded murder to the non-meat eaters of the world, I guess. No matter how many scientists and animal rights groups try to convert the mass to live a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle, the fact that we need a healthy diet which consists of protein, carbs, fruit and veg, even if it's a little meat or dairy, they shouldn't hide that fact. What do you guys think? I think we need a balanced diet. To be fair, some meat eaters do overdo it. I know some people that eat a variety of meats four or five times per week. In my personal opinion, that's excessive. Once or twice a week is enough. That's what I think anyway. How about you, Niz? Oh yeah, a balanced lifestyle is right, but it must be taught. You won't find that at home as tradition comes first and it is best learned outside of home. To be honest with you, I knew very little about kosher before I started doing this research. The only time I was exposed about it was when I learnt it in school in RE class, which was more than over 25 years ago, let's be honest. When was the last time you heard or seen any depiction of an everyday Jewish person in movies or television? For research, I also wanted to know how many kosher restaurants and takeaway there were in our local area, as we all know there's a large community nearby. So I went on Uber Eats and tried to search for kosher. There were over 40 categories such as Cuban, French and Bangladeshi and so on but I could not find any kosher. It seems to me that halal food is more widely available even though we are only 5.2% of the population here in the UK. Again, what are your thoughts on this? Well if that's the case then there's obviously a market out there and there's a lot of non-Muslims that consume halal foods, especially meat, due to its benefits as we will be discussing in an up and coming episode called does eating halal make me a Muslim? It's a great episode, so make sure you go and check it out where a lot of myths will be destroyed and you will learn many fun facts as well. The new episode sounds good. But getting back to Saul's question, I think it's interesting that kosher food isn't that well publicised. I've done Uber Eats deliveries and I've worked in the local Jewish community. I used to pick up a lot of orders that would go outside the Jewish area. Although I've never checked the Uber Eats customer app, I think I might have to now and see if the restaurants I pick up from advertise as kosher. So far we've just grazed the skin on kosher as we need to talk about halal too. I will end it here but plenty is available on the world wide web. Anyway, we will add some links in the description for your reading pleasure. On to the halal part of the episode. In the Quran, the word halal is the opposite to haram. Think of it as yin and yang, good or bad. Halal means what is permissible and haram means forbidden. That's the simplest term of both. The term halal is mostly associated with the Islamic dietary and how the meat is slaughtered and how it's prepared. It is also used by Muslims to live a lifestyle that is within the rules of Islam. That's just me simplifying it. But today, we're just talking about the food aspect. First of all, the meat has to come from a supplier that uses halal practice and that is the biyah which is the prescribed method of slaughtering all meat sources. But this does not include fish and other sea life. This method consists of using a sharp knife and to make an incision that cuts the front of the throat, esophagus and the jugular veins, but not the spinal cord. The head of the animal must also be aligned facing the Qibla, towards the direction of the Holy Kaaba, and quoting the following. 
Bismillah, Allahu Akbar. In the name of Allah, Allah is the greatest, should be uttered upon the slaughter. An animal cannot be slaughtered in a stressful environment. It should be in a clean area where the animal can't see or hear each other being slaughtered. Were you guys aware of this? Yes, that I was aware of. Nis, did you know that? Yeah, me too. I saw this in Pakistan when we sacrificed a goat and then had it for our evening meal. Cool, that sounds like a good story for a future episode. Back to the topic in hand. The slaughter must be performed by an adult Muslim. If the animal is slaughtered by a non-Muslim, it will not be halal. Blood must be drained from the veins. Animals that have died in a wild, such as a carcass of a dead animal, killed by a foal, gorged and strangled, or sacrificed on a stone altar, then the animal cannot be eaten. Halal also forbids consumption of some carcasses part, including the testicles and bladder. Tak-a-tak comes to mind. What's tak-tak? No, it's tak-a-tak. Don't you remember? We discussed it in the Do Piazza episode. If you've forgotten, or the listeners missed it, why not go back and listen? It mentions tak-a-tak and some other tasty dishes. Oh right, yeah, I remember. And if you guys missed it, make sure you download it and give it a listen today. Yeah, great episode as others have stated. Back to the episode. The same rule applies if you slaughter an animal for qurbani, which is just another word for sacrifice in Arabic. Before you slaughter any animals, including birds, you must check the knife is undamaged. It must be sharp and large enough for animals to be slaughtered. For the British guidelines, any animals, you must keep a backup stunning equipment close to the restraining equipment so that it can be used immediately when an animal experiences avoidable pain, suffering or agitation. Technically, stunning is not allowed for halal meat. It causes issues like if it's stunned, the blood could still be in the body and this could cause harm when it's eaten. That's why all the blood should be removed from the body. Generally, in Islam, killing an animal is not feasible. It is only done for two reasons. Can you guys guess what they are? To eat and to clothe yourself? Well, that's my best guess anyway. Niz might know. Again, that's just a guess, lol. So one must be for food, but as for the second, I'm not sure. But I think you might be right, Dims. So what are they, Sol? You're both correct on the first one. The first one is for eating. And the other one is for eliminating a danger. So if an animal has caught something, for example, a rabbit dog, then this animal has to be killed for it to do less harm to the rest of society. And that's it. Here, I'll read you a brief list of unusual animals which are halal. So brace yourself. Just get on with it. Here goes. Zebra. Flamingo. Kangaroo. Wallaby, ostrich, llama. I think that's enough. All right, all right, okay. I'll give the haram list now. Alligator, elephant, beetle, eagle and falcon, and finally, dolphin. It's strange we can't eat an adorable creature like a dolphin, but we can eat a ferocious beast like a shark. Your comments. Yeah, you're right, Sol. We should be allowed to eat beautiful creatures too. That's why I once ate a butterfly. Lol, only joking. But I did once eat a spider in my sleep. And you may have heard of this one too. I used to think it was a fun fact. But as we're on air, I will say it's a fun myth. As there is no hard evidence to back this up. But on average, we eat up to 8 spiders in our lifetime. And up to 20 insects in total in a lifetime. And this is all done in our sleep. 
And again, it's an average. But as I said, there is no hard evidence to evidence to back this up. But with me, I woke up with a spider leg on my pillow. So I probably didn't consume it. Probably just squished it in my sleep. Lol. That's interesting. Are insects halal? So while you've been talking, I've Googled it. And on IslamicQA.info, it says they are haram. It says, according to the scholars, the vermin of the earth, such as snakes, scorpions, dung beetles, cockroaches, rats, etc., are haram. Dims, you'll need to wash your mouth out. Regarding the list, yeah, that's interesting. But I don't find an alligator adorable. Why can't humans be haram to alligators? Because alligators are not Muslim, lol. As you know, in Islam, everything is based on intention. So just to recap, halal is what is permissible and haram is what is forbidden in Islam. Again, intention matters. Also in this, I brush my teeth daily, so no soap required, lol. Come on guys, enough about your personal hygiene. We need to finish this episode, we're just near the finishing line. Right, as you can see, kosher meat are permitted to be eaten by Muslims. This is due to the similarity between both methods of slaughter and the similar principle of kosher meat, which are observed by Jews. But unfortunately, Jewish people are not permitted to eat halal. So, I know that my family would actually shop at Jewish stores when they immigrated to this country. There was no Muslim shops or halal meats, and my father told me they would shop at the Jewish stores instead. So I guess I would only consume kosher if no halal option was available. Well, that's the end of the episode. Hope you've learned something interesting. There is a lot to back, and we've just scratched the surface as we can't cover everything in this episode. This has been informative. Let us know your thoughts on this topic. You can catch us on our social media platform, such as our website, which is www.nosuchnonsense.com or our Twitter page at NSN The Podcast. Well, that's a goodbye from Sol. And a goodbye from Niz. And a goodbye from me, Dims. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.